Well, good morning, everybody. Good to, good to see you this morning. My name is Pastor Josh. I am the pastor of Community Life. It's my privilege to teach uh, as we continue on the book of Galatians. Now, we're over half over, uh, through our study of the book of Galatians. We're calling Liberate. And the theme of Galatians is that God has liberated us from the grip of sin to walk by the Spirit. And today, it's cool, we are at this pivot point where previously in the book of Galatians, it's primarily focusing on the liberate us from the grip of sin. But here the Apostle Paul is pivoting to the walk by the Spirit part. And it's really cool. Um, Let me illustrate where we've been thus far in the book of Galatians, talking about what Christ has done for us. Now, here's some chains. Scripture says that we all sin, all fall short of the glory of God. And in our sin, we become slaves to sin. And we do things against God's law, against his commandments, and we enslave ourselves by the work that we've done. This is something that we've done to ourselves. It's not something done to us. We're active in this. And we are stuck. There's nothing we can do. Just like I know I know, I'm, look pretty buff, but I cannot <laughs> rip these chains off of my... We need someone else. Like, like it, it, there's nothing for me to do, just like there's nothing for you you're able to do to be free, to be liberated. That's why we need someone from the outside, someone to take our sin, to pay for our penalty. That's why God saw us in his kindness. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, raise again, and then he does the work and we get the reward. He saves us. So Dave, you want to come? I've got Dave here as our Jesus. And so we need Jesus to come and liberate us from the grip of sin. And hopefully you can, you can get this off me. There we go. Absolutely. Beautiful. So not only has he freed us, he's removed the chains of sin. Did you get me? We need some uh, Jesus practice here, Dave. Here. <laughs> All right, there we go. Okay. All right. Perfect. There you go. High five. There we go. <laughs> I sprung that on Dave like during the first song, so he's a willing participant. All right. So now I'm free. Okay. But, but we all know that we don't live the way we want to, right? Even if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been free from the grip of sin. But man, I don't know about you, but I don't live the way I want. I do things that I don't want to do. I have desires and motives I wish were different. Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the big idea is this. Christ has set us free. Don't go back to slavery. And then the pivot verse that the Apostle Paul has is chapter 5, verse 1. It's for freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So before we get going, let me uh, pray for us so that that we ask the Holy Spirit to work in our minds and our hearts so we can understand what uh, he has for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that it is your work. It is you who has earned the reward, and you have given it to us. This is, this is a work by faith. Lord, thank you that we don't have to like uh, somehow fashion a key <laughs> and give it to you and you unlock it. We don't have to somehow 
run a race with these chains on and then and you reward us with. No, Father, you in your kindness have given us your son. And it's simply by grace through faith. So thank you. And Lord, I pray today as we look at a passage of scripture that is complicated. Lord, give us uh, wisdom. Give us a special insight through your spirit so that we can know more about you and live that out in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right. So today we're looking at Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through chapter 5, verse 1. And all commentators, all people who write books about Galatians say, this is the most complicated part in all of Galatians by far. So aren't you guys glad you made it to church this morning? Well, the reason it's so uh, complicated is because the Apostle Paul uses a lot of Old Testament imagery, Old Testament stories, and Old Testament theology to make a point. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, many of us haven't grown up in a context where we're seeped in the Old Testament. You know, the Apostle Paul was. So he grew up going to the synagogue every week, and it was, it was the water he swam in. But it's not the water we swim in. You see, in the first half of chapter 4 of, of Galatians, Paul is talking primarily to the, the Greek side, uh, the Greek audience, uh, talking about adoption and inheritance. And I feel like that's a little more easily understood. But well, the passage today is challenging. He's using some inside baseball to talk and argue specifically against these teachers that say you have to obey the Old Testament law to be saved. So Paul, it's, it's like this. This is what Paul's doing. It's like when your mom or your roommate can say something to you that most people don't really like understand, but cuts you right to the core, right? Pushes your button. Right, you're supposed to pick your mom up from the airport. All right, mom, I'll be there on time. She's like, oh, okay, just like in Myrtle Beach. You know, no one knows what's going on. You forgot to pick your mom up at the airport, one of those things. This is what the Apostle Paul is doing. He's doing some inside baseball and talking specifically to these Jewish people who are seeked in the Old Testament and who are using the Old Testament to tell people to go back into the slavery of sin. Now, it might seem that we don't, all right, we're not, Jew, you know, most of us aren't Jewish by lineage or understanding, so why don't we just gloss over this? Well, this passage is really, really important for those of us, like me, who grew up in a religious home. So I want to do a quick poll. Who, who would agree with the phrase on the screen, I grew up in a religious home? Show of hands. Okay, so a lot of us, a lot of us grew up in a, in a religious home. I did. You know what? My dad was even a pastor. It was, we did not miss, I don't care if we were like thrown up in the car. We were at church on Sunday. Very religious home. You'll see a picture of our family on the screen. This was when my dad was my age. Yeah. So we just got done with Chris, uh, uh, got done with the Easter Sunday, went over to the J.C. Penney Portrait Gallery, got us some pictures. So you could see from my family that, you know, your dad might have had some like tattoos on his arms. My dad had pleats on his pants, right? We were that kind of family, very buttoned up, very religious. And so, so that means that this passage of scripture that we're going to look, look at in a moment is really, really important for me to understand and apply. And if you raised your hand a moment ago, I want to encourage you, pay special attention, because this is some really important stuff. All right, so 
If you got your Bibles, Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. The most complicated section of Galatians. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. So there was a group of religious leaders who came from the church in Jerusalem down to Galatia to teach the converts that in order to be saved, they needed Jesus plus circumcision. In order to be saved, you need Jesus plus circumcision. And circumcision was just kind of a, a, a shorthand way of saying obeying the whole Old Testament law. And this is what these people's argument looks like. They said, hey, God made a covenant to Abraham. A covenant is a special type of promise saying, I will give you a child and through him, all the world will be blessed. Abraham's wife was Sarah. And many, many years passed and no baby. Sarah was apparently unable to have children. So they thought, oh, well, maybe we'll take a surrogate. Maybe that's God's plan. It wasn't God's plan. So Abraham and Sarah took Hagar, it's a, sl- a slave woman, to be a surrogate. So Ab- Abraham and Hagar slept together. So Hagar conceived and had Isaac. 14 years later, I'm sorry, Ishmael, yes, good. That's good. I'm getting a little tired up here, my brain. No, yes, Ishmael, very good. Sarah had Isaac, okay, 14 years later, Sarah had Isaac. You see, Ishmael was son of according to the flesh, which just simply means the normal biological processes of men and women. But Isaac was a son of the promise, a direct fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. And from Isaac came the nation of Israel. And from the nation of Israel came the Old Testament law where Moses received on Mount Sinai. And from the law, that's how we know to get saved. Okay, Hagar had Ishmael, and from Ishmael came the enemies of God. And for, like the Moabites and the, all these foreign invaders that would often attack the Israelites. And from the enemies of God, we see sin just bursting forth in everything they did. And from sin, you get condemnation from God. So as the argument goes, do you want to be the, with the good people or the bad people? You want to be the good people with Sarah and Isaac and Israel who has the law. You want to be saved like the good people or do you want to be with the bad people? The bad people don't have the law. They don't get circumcised and they're condemned. So what is it? Gentile Galatians, good people or bad people, right? You want to be with the good people. So you know what? It's circumcision time, okay? You got to obey the Old Testament law. So if you're a Greek and you kind of grew up in like pagan Greek, you know, with Artemis and Zeus, you're kind of like, it sounds right. It kind of makes sense. You know, I might not prefer the outcome, but all right, well, let's get circumcised. And here's where Paul flips his lid and flips the table. Look with me, verse 24. Now, this may be interpreted 
allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Right. Crystal clear, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so here's what Paul's doing. Paul knows the Old Testament better than anybody in the church in Jerusalem, in the church in Galatia. Like he is the expert. And he's saying this. These two women, Sarah and Hagar, we can interpret them allegorically or using a story to show a deeper meaning. See, God's purposes was not to save some ethnic group. God's purposes is to save people from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. God gave the Old Testament to the people of Israel as stewards to point, to, to point out to everyone, including themselves, we need a savior. Killing these goats, it doesn't save us. We need a savior. And what's happened is God has sent his savior. And now he is pulling people, not for, just from the, the lineage of, of Isaac, but from the lineage of Ishmael from the enemies of God. He's pulling people from all over the world. And now the children of the promise, now the true Israel, and now the friends and family of God are those who trust in Jesus alone. And you know who the enemies of God are? Those who trust in Jesus plus works. You see, Paul is calling all of these Religious leaders teaching, hey, you have to obey these Old Testament customs. He's calling them the enemies of God. And he's calling these pagan Greeks that got saved last week, don't know Isaac from Ishmael, from Zeus, from Artemis. He's saying, no, 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 they are a child of God. And that is good news for us because I don't know about you, I am not ethnically Jewish and I know I'm a big old sinner. And if I'm hoping to fulfill all the laws in the Old Testament, good luck. You might as well take this chain, wrap it around me a couple more times, tighten it up, get the padlock as I am toast. The good news of the gospel is it's Jesus plus nothing. And when we understand that it is Jesus plus nothing, that's when we become free. You see, every one of us, no matter who you are, all of our hearts are still bent to slavery. All of our hearts still doubt that there can really be a God who sees every part of us, every thought, action, intention, and he had a son who was perfect, and he willingly sent that son to earth to be spit on, to be beaten, to be bruised, to be stabbed, and to be put on a cross 
so that we could be in God's family. It's, how do you believe something like that? You see, that's why that we begin to creep over to these chains. Certainly, certainly God. Maybe he loves me, but he expects me to do my end of the bargain, right? He expects me to pay back what he's bought me. He expects me to somehow earn my keep. And what we do, we put the chains back on. Because the gospel is Jesus plus nothing. And that gap is sometimes too hard for us to believe. So we want to put something into that box. Look with me at verse 28. Here's the so what. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son. For the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. This is what's going on. By way of analogy, the Apostle Paul says, look, these two women serve as, uh, as, an, as types of the old and the new covenant. The old covenant is what we have in the Old Testament. It is to show us our need for a savior. It is to be a burden to bear so that we would be eagerly awaiting the coming of the savior. And that Old Testament that old covenant was fulfilled in Christ. And now we have a new covenant. We have the sacrificial lamb, the perfect spotless lamb who has come to be our savior. So those who trust in their works, those who trust in their good deeds and their religious accomplishments are living according to slavery. Paul Tripp says this so well and how this applies to our lives individual. He says this, when you live out the grace of the gospel, you quit fearing failure. You quit avoid, you quit avoiding being known. And you quit hiding your struggles and your sin. The gospel declares that there is nothing that could ever be uncovered about you and me that hasn't already been covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the only thing that can free a Christian from the guilt, the shame, and the drivenness of the hide. Never let your weakness show. And the seek, asking ministry to do what Christ has already done. That lifestyle makes ministry burdensome for so many. Here's a question for you. Do you feel the Christian life is a burden? There's so many do's and there's so many don'ts. There's so many these and their thou's and there's not supposed to do this. Do you feel like the, the, the weight of the Christian life, it's a burden to you? If you do, you're carrying around these stupid chains and you don't need to anymore. Christ has set you free. You are perfect before his sight. 
There's nothing God has not seen that you have ever done that he has not paid for and that you'll never see again. It's gone. And just as Abraham cast out the slave woman and her son, we are to take these chains by the power of the Holy Spirit and be done with them. We're to cast them out because they don't have any grip on us. And you will never be who God designed you to be unless you're free. And your family depends on it. Your neighbors depend on it. Your spouse, your roommates, your college mates, they depend on you being who God designed you to be. In a moment, you'll see on the screen the equation that we've been using of the gospel. The gospel equals Jesus plus nothing. But every one of us are tempted to put something in that box. What is it, in addition to Jesus, are you trusting for your peace, for your joy, for your confidence, and for your future? What, apart from Jesus, makes you valuable, makes you worthy, and makes you accepted. I have those things. <laughs> you have those things that we keep going back to. You know, maybe you grew up in the religious home like me. And it's religious duty. It's you feel accepted when you're doing good. And you feel rejected when you fall into a sin. Well, the good news is that your sins have been forgiven and you are free from this idea you have to like kind of pile together something to give to God. You are free to serve at sports camp, not because of guilt, but because of your love for Christ. Even if Denise texted you and told you, hey, we need you to serve at sports camp. <laughs> it's a Holy Spirit text from Denise, right? Maybe growing up, you know, it's interesting. Soci uh, uh, psychologists tell us that we can never get beyond our family upbringing. We can grow from it, but we can't get beyond it. And maybe you growing up, you were as accepted as you were attractive. Maybe some of you ladies felt like your dad loved you more, the more pretty and the more attractive you were. Or maybe you brought that throughout your young adulthood where I was valuable if someone else saw me as valuable. I was, I, I was worth something if someone wanted me. And maybe you've, maybe you've transitioned that into your relationship with God. Uh, if I look good, I am good. Well, you've got to cast that out. Those are chains. Maybe it's success. <laughs> maybe you are as okay with yourself as the quarterly reports say you are. And maybe everything's all right in your life as long as my work or my school or my tennis team or whatever it is, is going well. Well, success is in that box. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe, it's, maybe it could even be your spouse. Or maybe you hunger for a relationship to fill that need in your life. That if I had someone to love me, then I would be loved. I'd feel loved. If I had someone who thought much of me, then I would be valuable. Those are chains. And Christ has freed you from that. Because that person will never 
fulfill your deepest longings, I guarantee. What is it? I encourage you, in, the, in your program, you'll see this equation, and you'll see a box. I encourage you to grab your program, grab a pen, write down what is it for you that you are tempted to put in that box. And maybe you might think, ah, Josh, I'm not really sure. Um, well, here's a, here's a way to test it. What aspect of your life, if it's going poorly, clouds everything else? What's that one thing in your life that if everything else be going fine, but if it's not going fine, everything else is dark? Well, that's your chain. That is your chain. And we've got to cast those out. All right, how, how do you do that? <laughs> it's easy to like, okay, I get what you're saying. How do you... How do you cast out those chains? Well, the first thing you do, you have to identify it. If you don't know what your chain is, you'll never know when it's around your neck. You just think that's how things are, right? You've probably seen those stories where someone's got some messed up piece in their leg, and I guess that's just how I walk. They get a surgery, and they're like, wait a minute, I can bend my knee? (laughs) That's what it's like. You just get used to it. You've got to identify what your chain is. The second thing, you have to recalibrate. See, this is where we get to our pivot verse. The Apostle Paul talks all this deep theology about Old Testament and covenants and Sarah and Hagar, and he kind of ends abruptly to chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1 says this, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. It's interesting. Commentators note that in the original language, it was written in in Greek, that this whole first phrase is kind of clunky. It's funky because it's not written um, grammatically correct. Well, the Apostle Paul, through the power of the Holy Spirit, did that on purpose. See, the first word in this whole pivot section that'll go through chapter five and chapter six, it's not the conjunct, it's not the preposition, it's the word freedom. It's freedom. Okay, so don't, don't hear, don't in your mind's eye, don't hear, for freedom, Christ is. Hear like Mel Gibson in Braveheart, right? Freedom! Freedom! Christ has set us free but it's not easy because you got to stand firm. (laughs) And don't submit again to the yoke of slavery, which you have been freed from. I tell you what, if we would understand this as a church, that we would throw off those Jesus plus somethings, that we would be open and we would allow people to look into our lives and our hearts to see who we really are so they can see where we've come, this world would be incredibly changed because each one of us would be living according to how God designed us to. You see, 5.1 is such an important verse because it's like a recalibration tool for our hearts. See, many of you work in manufacturing. You know, Cleveland is known for high-skill manufacturing. And you know, if you, have a, if you have a device, you need a recalibration tool and you need to set it back to zero once in a while. That's what this verse is. Once we identify what our, what our chains, are, chains are, we have to recalibrate our hearts according to the gospel. So we've identified our chains. We've just learned the recalibration tool for our hearts. to be reca- recalibrated what Christ has done. Now it's time to commit. It's time to 
stand firm. It's time to commit to, look, I'm going to live free. I'm not just going to know it, but I'm going to be it. I'm going to live free of the chains. So in a moment, Nate and the team are going to lead us in a hymn called Before the Throne of God, of God Above. And the second verse goes like this. It says, when Satan tempts me to despair, which he does for all of us, and tells me of the guilt within, we all have guilt, upward I look and see him, Jesus there, who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. See, in a moment, when we get to that verse, we got to sing it out and we say, Lord, we want to be a people that lives free. We want to be free indeed. So when we get to that verse, just call it out, just sing it out as a commitment. And maybe you're here and you are still enchained. Maybe you grew up in a religious home like me and have yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus. When we get to verse two, you sing that out as a prayer of salvation, saying, Jesus, I believe this. I believe you did that in my life. Today, I want you to get rid of these chains so I can be who you designed me to be. And if that happens today for you, you become a brother and sister and you become free indeed. So let's sing. <laughs>